Well, for those of you who have ever talked to me about computers, you'll know that I am an Apple Macintosh fan. And of course, the CEO of Macintosh, Steve Jobs, died recently. His memorial service is today. And over the last week or so, one of the discussions that's been going on on all the Apple web pages is, what will happen to Apple now that Steve Jobs is gone? Will they lose the plot? See, back in 1977, it was Steve Jobs who launched the first public Apple computer, the Apple II. Hands up who remembers the Apple II from school. There we go, yes. Then in 1984, there's Steve Jobs again with the Apple Macintosh. Hands up who owned one of those. That's a long time ago, isn't it? Then, the next year after that, Steve Jobs got kicked out of Apple. They wanted to go a different direction. Now, for him, that was good. He got into movies and he created Pixar Studios, which bought us Toy Story and Finding Nemo. Great success. Meanwhile, Apple, for those 12 years, they didn't put out a a good computer. 12 years of complete duds. In fact, they were going so badly that they swallowed their pride and decided to get Steve Jobs back again, which they did. And then in 1988 came the iMac, and Apple was famous again. And then we had the iPod, the iPhone, the iTunes, the iPad, who knows what's next. That was Steve Jobs, creative man. Now he's dead. And the question people are asking is, what will happen to Apple now that he's gone? Will they be able to keep doing what they were doing? Has he prepared them to continue on after he goes? In fact, in 1998, he got one of the heads of Yale University to come and start an Apple University so that he could train the people after him to think like him. Apple University never got off the ground. What will happen to Apple? Today we're looking at 2 Timothy, and it's similar. It's all about how the gospel can continue on after the Apostle Paul dies. See, 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote just before he died. He wrote it to Timothy, a younger Christian, the leader for the next generation, and he's writing to make sure that after he goes, Timothy will continue on. Not just continue on a business, continue on in the message about Jesus. Now that's what this whole letter is about. Just have a flick back of the whole letter of 2 Timothy with me. Back in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, in verse 13, Paul says this to the younger Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 13. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Then over in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, The things that you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. That's what this letter is about, trusting the gospel onto the next generation. And then in the middle of 2 Timothy, in the passage that we're looking at today, Paul, with all his heart, encourages the young Timothy to keep going. And as we think about a new church that's starting tonight in Dubbo, it's a good question to think about, isn't it? How can we make sure that the next generation continues on in the gospel? Well, let's pick it up at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're starting at verse 10, where Cameron just read. You, however, this is talking to Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, 
faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions and sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The first thing we find out about continuing on in the gospel is that it's not easy. There are people who are opposed to the gospel. Those three cities that Paul mentioned, Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, you can go and read about Paul's visits to those cities back in Acts 13 and it's a good read if you want to go and read it during the week. In Acts 13, Paul gets kicked out of Antioch for talking to people about Jesus. Gets a bit more serious in Iconium, they don't just kick him out, there's a plan to execute him, but he hears about it so he runs away to the third city called Lystra where he's not so lucky. He gets stoned, they throw rocks at him until they think that he's dead and then they drag him out of the city. Now that third city where he's literally dragged out, left for dead, Lystra, that's the city that the young Timothy grew up in. Timothy may well have heard about Paul visiting and being stoned. He might have even seen it. And so a little bit later when Paul comes back to Lystra, we read in Acts 16 that Timothy decides to join Paul and follow him going round talking to people about Jesus. He's followed Paul around. And that's why here in 2 Timothy 3.10, Paul can say to the Timothy, you know about my teaching, my way of life. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Paul knows, Timothy knows, that continuing on in the gospel won't be easy because the message about Jesus is not a message that everyone wants to hear. It's similar today, I think. Sure, people are more polite and politically correct. You probably won't get rocks thrown at you in Dubbo for being a Christian. But bring up Jesus at the smoko break? It's not exactly a conversation starter. Our, our youngest girl, Emily, she's got this little thing going at the moment. When she gets in trouble, she shuts her eyes, she stands there, and she, she just pretends she can't hear anything, <laughs> no matter what you say. That's what people do with God. They just shut their ears, shut their eyes, pretend he's not there. In fact, people are so naturally opposed to listening to what God says, even from within the church, people will try and escape the message. Look down at chapter 4, verse 3, near the end of this passage. Chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. It's true, isn't it? You can turn on the internet, you can turn on the radio, and you can, get a, you can hear a sermon on whatever you want to hear. Although it happens closer to home. This week I was hearing about a church just near Dubbo who were looking for a new minister, and so they were interviewing potential ministers, and one of the questions they asked one of the fellows, a fairly simple question was, who do you think Jesus was? And his answer, which wasn't a bad one at face value, was, well, who do you think Jesus was? They said, well... You're the one who will be teaching us, and we'd like to know who you think Jesus was. And he said, I'm flexible. I can tell you 
whatever you want me to tell you. Here's a so-called Bible teacher more interested in what people want to hear than what the Bible says. And the saddest thing about that is that's what some people want to hear. That's the kind of minister some churches choose. Verse 3, a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Now, that was true in Timothy's day, and it's true today, isn't it? You can find someone to tell you whatever it is that you want to hear. If you want to, you can go and find a church and a minister who will tell you it is okay to express your sexuality however you want. You can find a minister who will say it's okay to walk out on your marriage. You can find a minister who will say, go for it, it's great to date a non-Christian. You can find someone who will tell you that it's okay to get drunk, God will forgive you. Go and do it. The point is, if you want to, you can find someone to tell you exactly what your itching ears want to hear. The problem is it's a complete lie. Verse 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. See, myths, fairy stories, Santa Claus and tooth fairy stuff. I remember when I was growing up, I never actually believed in Santa Claus but I wanted to get presents, so I went along with it, didn't I? That's what this is about. It's the Christian version of the tooth fairy. People will listen to and believe anything they want and go along with it because they can then do what they want or get what they want. But Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you need to be different. Don't be guided what people want to hear. Be guided by the Bible. Look back with me. At chapter 3, verse 13. Evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, Paul says to Timothy, look at the people who told you the Bible, myself. And if you look back into Timothy, we find out that it was actually Timothy's grandmother and his mother. He knew their lives, he saw their integrity, and he knew what they were teaching was the truth. And Paul says, stick with it, Timothy. Don't go searching for new things. The Bible is able to make you wise for salvation. See, that's what the Bible is there for. It's not just a book of rules. It is there to point us to Jesus so that we can be rescued by him. That's what's so great about the Bible. It tells you everything that you need to know to be friends with God again. It tells you what Jesus has done so that you can be forgiven. And this is what Timothy knew since he was a little boy. And Paul's saying to Timothy, now that you've grown up, don't go looking for a new teaching. Stick with the Bible. And just in case Timothy missed it, Paul says it again in chapter 4, although this time he ramps it up a bit. It doesn't get any bigger than this. He, he brings out the big guns. He says it as loudly and as strongly as he can. Chapter 4, verse 1, in the presence of God. In other words, listen up, Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead 
And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Fads and fashions come and go, don't they? When I was in high school, what was the fashions was Commodore 64 computers, Smurfs, yo-yos, hacky sacks. Now Commodore 64 is out of fashion. We've got iPhones, we've got Wii's, we've got Monster Energy drinks, we've got Sudoku. Look, I'm probably behind the times, they're probably out of fashion and we've moved on to something else. Fads come and fads go. But Paul says, in season and out of season, we need to preach the word. When what the Bible says is fashionable, teach the Bible. When what the Bible says is out of fashion, teach the Bible. When people like it, preach the word. When people don't like it, preach the word. We need to stick with the Bible. 4 verse 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine and so on. Verse 5, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, don't just teach people in the church, teach people outside the church. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. If you're looking for a church that will grow you as a Christian, if you ever leave Dubbo and you're looking for another church, if you're looking for a church that will glorify God, don't look for a church that is fashionable. Don't judge a church by its music or its style. Look for a church that preaches the word of God. Look for a church that is doing evangelism, talking to unbelievers about Jesus. Now that is something that at DPC we will always make sure that we do, but you make sure we do. And this week we're starting a new church, Night Church. And we might change some things. We might change the style of music. We might change the building. We might change the time. But one thing that we can't change is that we preach the Bible. And why would we? Look at verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. In other words, this is the word of God. This is what God has spoken to us. Now sometimes, most times when I'm preaching, I doubt my abilities. My sermons are never perfect. I come away thinking, I could have said that clearer, could have left that out, could have put that in. What keeps me going? knowing that this is the word of God. And it's powerful. And if I can just somehow get this into you and me not get in the way of it, it will change you. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now these are Paul's Last words to Timothy. After a life of ministry, after a life of starting new churches, encouraging new churches like the Colossian church, rebuking churches that are right off the track like the Galatian church and the Corinthian church, 
After Paul's done that his life, now as he sits in jail and reflects on his life, just before he's about to die, what's his advice to Timothy? Stick with the Bible. It's everything that you need. And so Paul, who received the gospel from Jesus, hands it on to Timothy, who handed it on to the next person, who handed it on to the next person, so on, who handed it on to you. The baton's in your hand. What will you do with it? Will you pass it on? Not just here on a Sunday, during the week. How much is it a part of your life? Who do you meet up with during the week to read the Bible with? Are you handing it on to your children? Not just leaving that to Sunday school teachers or to school or to church, but are you handing the gospel on to your children? What about among your friends? Will you stick with trying to talk to them about Jesus even when it's unpopular and they don't want to listen and they say, look, Look, you've tried to tell me this before. I don't want to listen. See, likely there's a lot of hard work ahead of us. There's likely some battles. But keep going. It'll be worth it. You might think, hang on, I've got so many other things in my life I want to do. Get myself set up, finish studying, finish my apprenticeship, pay off the house, whatever. Then I'll have some free time to get serious about Jesus. It's not the right way to think. When you get to the end of your life, when you look back on what was important, no one at the end of their life says, I wish I spent more time working. No one says, I wish I had more time at the office. What does Paul say at the end of his life? I've done what matters. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. That's what matters the things that we do for Jesus. And there is a crown of righteousness which the Lord Jesus Christ himself will personally award to those who follow him. Now look, I hope Apple put out an iPhone 6, but I've got no idea what will happen to Apple after Steve Jobs is gone. But we do know what will happen with the gospel. Because whatever the opposition, God has promised that it will keep growing. So continue in it. Continue in what the Bible says. So that at the end when Jesus returns, he will say to you, well done. Here's your crown. Daryl's going to come and lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, the Bible. Lord, we just thank you that uh, 
we have it here at our disposal to learn all about you. And Father, we know that it is mighty to save. Father, we've seen all through our meeting today from the things that Nick showed us, the things that Deirdre talked to us about, things that Wayne has now explained to us from 2 Timothy, that your word doesn't change, that your word is mighty to save. It is powerful. It changes lives. Father, help us to be good at reading it. Help us to be good at explaining it to each other. Help us to be good at sharing with others. Father, help us to be very wary of ever changing. Lord, help us to be really good at sticking to your word and having it save people's lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.